Hello, it's Martin Teasdale here. Thanks very much for choosing Get Out A Rap as your podcast to listen to today. You won't be disappointed with two great guests in Phil Anderson and Chris Rainsforth of The Forum. So once again, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm settled in for another learning session with Phil Anderson and Chris Rainsforth of The Forum. Chaps, welcome back. Good morning. Now, we touched on some of the subjects in the previous episode, but one of the things that I think is going to resonate with so many people out there, let's start with targeting. And I know, Phil, it's something you're, you're very passionate about. I think we've all lived under targets for, for so long. So let's start with that. And that, you used the phrase just before we were recording, bang average. I'll do my best not to get the soapbox out. But yeah, absolutely. So many organizations and people for that matter set wrong targets. And that's because they don't understand the target they're setting. And then off the back of that, they end up driving people to be bang average because they use averages as targets, which promote catch-up behavior. And then all they're doing is constantly looking at average performance and then go, well, let's try and beat that again next week or next month or next year. And in turn, they're then influencing their leaders to, to try and coach their people to be bang average. Whereas actually what we're seeing now is a real shift change in terms of starting at the very top, people having a better understanding of the vision and the values and the brands and the direction they're going. Because say data without context is meaningless. Data without direction means nothing. So having that direction and then understanding that it's not about calling everything a KPI because it isn't. Okay. There's not many key performance indicators. I mean, how many keys do you have in your front door? One. Yeah. So it, 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 I'm not saying you need one target, but typically the word key means there's not many of them because it's key, but there'll be a suite of performance indicators and operational indicators or as we're terming them, diagnostic measures, which understand the system of your business, the culture of your business, and how there's so many moving parts and loads of things need to change for everything to be right. And, and looking at that as diagnostic measures means you can go to each individual and say, this person is doing these things well, those things okay, and these things they need improvement. And then you can work out what is best to sort of just improve them because see, if everyone got that 0.1% better every day, you will be significantly better next year. Whereas if you just keep targeting people on average, you'll be the same, if not possibly worse this year than next year. I'll take a deep breath at that point, Chris. Go on. No, I, I've got it, it, it. The thing that frustrates us, what frustrates me is when we try and influence people to think about those things and talk, right, diagnostic measures is that key thing. We're trying to diagnose where we potentially need to invest some time, whether that's operationally, whether that's in terms of re-engineering a process, whether it's looking at someone's development, their coaching, their capabilities, L&D, whatever it might be. It's just given us an eye, that kind of insight into saying, this is where we might need to invest time and some effort to get better. When we tra chase and everything is key, everyone runs around with no direction, no focus, and that's what generates the stress. It generates that disengagement. It generates just so much problem within your organization or your operational area where no one's actually getting any better because no one's focusing on the things that are going to actually add value. 
And there's two, I think, two classic examples that I, I, I expect the vast majority of your audience to relate to. One is service level. So the classic is inbound call center service level. It is 80% of calls answered in 20 seconds or any variation. What's one thing that's hilarious about that is some people go, oh, we'd have 90, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40. I think people think they need to add to a hundred. It doesn't. Okay. So it, it doesn't at all. These are just two numbers really. Now that promotes catch up behavior. And again, what type of target is it? Are you wanting to get as close as you can, as far as you can? Is it a benchmark? Is it a zero tolerance? And that's crucial because some people like to just overachieve it just in case we get a little bit of, you know, you know too much demand late, later on in the day. Some people just don't, just, just want to overachieve it full stop, which is just overstaffing. Some people don't care about it at all. It's just arbitrary, but then we set our budgets up towards it. And then when we don't hit it, it turns the planning team, well, why didn't we hit it yesterday? And you go, because we haven't got enough people based on these key planning assumptions. I was talking to one organization recently, and they've got a huge problem with this. And I just said, I can tell you now, you're not going to hit your service level in May. So what are you doing about that? And they're like, well, we'll wait to the day. And then someone will probably tell us to look into why we're not hitting it. It's like, let them know now you're not going to hit it. But first thing is to get clarity of what type of target it is. If you are bound by law or compliance to achieve that target, the chances are you've got to get above it. But you probably don't want to go too far above it because it would be overstaffing. So, the, so but there might be a zero tolerance on not achieving that. If it's just a measure of a planning assumption linked arbitrary to customer experience, it's as close as you can. It's the best endeavor to get to that because actually hitting 78% out of 20, 78% of calls in 20 seconds, that's fine. The random arrival patterns of calls, the random arrival average handle time means you're not going to achieve it. So actually 78 to 82 is probably probably the same. But 85% starts to be overstaffed, under 75. Do you know what? You're going to probably start missing. But that understanding needs to be there so people can understand on the day what we're trying to trying to achieve. The next one is then like a conversion rate. You know, or say actually average handle time would be the other one. Are you just trying to get everyone to be that average or are you just trying to remove the outliers? You know, that's driving understanding to understand actually what happens when you have a really short call. Is that okay? Or is that against the law? You know, is a long call really, really bad? Or is it okay? And that's really important to get to that. So using techniques like quartiles or standard deviation can help to draw out the understanding so you can see at an individual level, how can I improve? How can I prevent some of those short things or calls? Or is that okay? That there's going to be some short calls in a day. But actually, these are planning assumptions. They're not even targets. These are planning assumptions that you need to work to so that there is the intent to try and improve performance in the future. There's a load there already. Isn't there? And this is without the soapbox. I know. <laughs> I've got to work on this every day, man. <laughs> just, 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 uh, well, there, there's there's so much there that I think right now there'll be people listening. Targets over everyone, aren't they? It can it pervades everything that that you do, the atmosphere, the motivation. There was so many great phrases there. I just want to pick up on one. Can you explain catch up behaviour? Yeah. So if you think about average, again, it, there's two parts of this. One is lagging. So you'll only know afterwards. So you'll look back on it. So at the end of so today, we'll be looking at yesterday's results to see how, how we did. So it's a lagging behavior. So actually, it's very easy to sit there and some people go, oh, we've got green on the report today. Woo, we hit service level yesterday. But 
that could be green from 80 all the way up to 100. And actually some of that is bad behavior, even though you've achieved it. And then likewise, 79, you might have given yourself an amber, but then it goes to red quite quickly. But then he's not drawing any understanding of the day at all, other than we didn't achieve it or we did achieve it or we were close to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't help that. Therefore, people aren't going to improve at all. So yeah, it's a bit like, I suppose, if you use a, a simple example, the one like to use people wanting to lose weight, which again, a lot of people can relate to that, but you don't want to just keep losing weight until you no longer exist, do you? Okay, because then you just die, you know what I mean? And it's very easy to lose weight, don't eat, but eventually again, you'll die. So you've got to manage that. Now, if you only ever weigh yourself, that's a lagging behavior. So you only ever find out how yesterday's results have done. Whereas if you set yourself leading indicators, like calories going to be consumed per day, calories going to be burned each, each day, water consumption, lack of alcohol consumption, those sorts of classic things you want to do, you'll slowly be able to drive the right behaviors, which are going to improve that will lead to the, 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 the loss. And then out of that, you can start to understand that actually sometimes it's not about the loss, but it's about actually how that weight is made up because it might just be fat you need to get rid of. And actually you want your body composition to be, to be, to be better. So it reaches a point where it's no longer about the loss. It's actually about something else. It's about what your body's like, what you feel like, how, how, how you move. And these are more leading indicators. So again, going back to the question, what's the, what's the problem with the catch-up behavior is that with an average, you're either going to be above it or below it. If you're above it, there's a danger of going, well, we can take our foot off the gas here because we don't need to hit it. And if you're below it, the chances are you're going to have to overachieve to get it up to the, the average where, where, where you are. So again, what's what Chris was saying, you get loads of people in an organization running around doing these different things. Some people are trying to do better. Some people are trying to do not as good to get this average score there. Then it just creates confusion. And that all comes back to service level isn't a target. It's a planning assumption unless you are based on compliance, you're legally bound to achieve it. And even then, if you're legally bound to achieve it, I'd have a word with them because they probably don't know what they're on about. They need to set a, set a better direction there on, on, on that. So it's about setting that clarity of getting, we need to get as close as we can to this, but actually there will be times in the day when we won't have to hit it. And that's okay because we know, but actually that doesn't mean to say we can drive lots of bad behavior to not hit it. It's about driving the right behaviors to ensure we're as close as we can to where we need to be. And, and that's the risk is the behavior that it drives and heard that target drive behavior kind of quote, uh, like, you know, for years and years, people have talked about that. We've talked about it significantly. And that, that's the challenge you've got is that some people try and find and circumnavigate the right behavior to achieve a number that is arbitrary in, in, in the long, in the, in the, in the scheme of things. And because we focus on those things, we tend to then drive another negative behavior in the business that it's about adding value. So, you know, if we're chasing a service level, we typically forget about our people typically. So we go, we need to hit this number that someone says we've got to hit actually doesn't really mean anything, but to hit that number, that doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to coach my people this week. I'm not going to train mm. my people this week. I'm not going to invest in my people this week. Guess what happens? People get disengaged and go work somewhere else. And then when this perpetual cycle of people telling us that the industry has got a problem with attrition, the industry hasn't got a problem with attrition. Organizations have a problem with attrition because of the way they treat people typically. Yeah, it's fascinating. And if, if people are listening now, and you mentioned something there earlier, Phil, around you are seeing this change and that there's some organizations that are making better use of data 
but let's say we've got people listening and they they really relate to what you both have been saying where's the starting point for making this kind of environment better where should they start i think unfortunately the world of call and contact centers is very rich with data so i would say the starting point is to review your reports right now because there's a strong chance they are all geared up to to sort of towards that average they say people discovered conditional formatting on excel so they put red amber green next to things and instead of actually really thinking about actually what is that telling us so again, if you're a team leader, actually, I'll take it back to back. If you are an advisor who was listening to this, hopefully you are being inspired, ask for your data of yesterday and start to, for you to understand what was good and what was bad. Because every day there's something we did that was great. Brilliant. Let's share that because how can we, you know, replicate that? And if it's something you've done that wasn't so great, that's the mistakes. And amazingly, it is true. We do learn from those, but we only learn from them if we're open enough to ask for that. We've got a great example of one of our members who, who, who promotes that each month. You know, when they do call listening, the advisor can bring their best and their worst call because actually when someone recognizes that made a mistake, that's amazing awareness. So ideally mm -hmm. it's an individual level. People start to understand their data better so that they can be the ones who drive their own learning opportunities to the team leader. That again, takes a while. So if you're a team leader watching this, start to get the data of your individuals by that level of granularity, not all totals up to look at yesterday versus same day last week and all that nonsense, which is really easy to obviously get together. Look at the breakdown so you can start to, again, draw out what went well. Because if you can go to someone, you've done this, this, and this today, that was brilliant. If you could replicate that again, people find it easier to relate to because they now know what they need to do differently or what they do consistently to drive a better performance. And this comes back to them being that 0.1% better the following day and, and setting that as an expectation. If you are way below that current sort of benchmark of where, where, where good is set, don't try and get people up to that straight away. Try and get them in a direction. That's where you're going. But then make sure they're clear on where they keep going after that so they, they understand actually this is a, an improvement roadmap. So again, remove some of the averages. Again, speak to your MI teams or speak to your planning teams, whoever's providing that data just to understand what it is they're doing in terms of the formulas around this. How are they setting those averages? If all those averages just based on arbitrary previous averages, or is there a trend or is there some science behind that to really understand where people fit in? And again, look for that sort of say suite of measures because it's very easy to fix on the things we've got. So adherence and conformance, which are important because you need to be there to do the job. You need to be there enough time to, to be able to pay things back. But it's not the, you know, the, the board aren't going to go around high-fiving and share price isn't going to go up because adherence was great yesterday. But it could go if it's the wrong way. Understand conversion rates, understand average handle time, but understand really what matters most to the business, which links back to the purpose of, the, of your organization. What difference have people made towards that purpose? And if you haven't got the data to back that up, start getting it. That's the key thing. And stop relying on just all this automated stuff that's there, playing around in Excel, coming up with a Power BI dashboard, thinking you've saved the world and all you've done is created more confusion. And it's that it's point, isn't it? If the data is presented in the right way, if people can drive better behavior, you know, to Phil's point, it's about individualization in a lot of cases for that person. Trying to get everybody to hit the same thing rarely works, but me getting set an individual level or development path that says, these are things I need to improve on. These are things I need to maintain. 
get better at, or whatever it might be, I can have focus. If you sat me and Phil next to each other and said, right, you've both got to achieve exactly the same thing in exactly the same, same time frame, the likelihood is I'm, we're, ne- we're not going to do that. We're not going to improve at the same rate. We're not going to develop at the same rate. There's going to be things that each one of us is better at than the other. But we were being told that we've got to behave and, 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 and deliver at exactly the same level of performance. That just doesn't work. It doesn't work in any working environment. So, but we've kind of got into that within our industry and it's a habit that we need to break. We really need to break it. The organizations that come and see, that come to you and come to your events, and I imagine this topic is kind of a key one. Do they come with just masses of data and that you said dashboards? I can remember I did some consultancy, really good organization. And I was on, in the contact center floor and some, some guy came out and he was wandering around. He had a ream of A3 paper and he went around the contact center floor and he was handing it to team leaders and, and supervisors, A3. And I just had a look at it. I went to someone's desk, just had a look at it all in color as well. So I was thinking, well, that's got to be, they've got to go through some cartridges there. And I said to the team leader, wow. There, there was so much data on there. I said, what What do you do with this when that guy drops it off on your desk? And she said, it, it would take me all day if I was going to go through everything. And she sort of circled a couple of things and went, I might, I might look at these. But it just, that kind of little anecdote for me was like, well, there's so, we get so much data. It's part of the problem to your point is right at the top is figuring out what do we need to share and how do we share it? Or are we just producing, producing, producing data for data's sake? Yes. In a short word. So we, we do, we do some, we do some learning modules on this, but one of the things we look at is going, you know, one of the things we, we, we always said, just because we can measure it, we don't need to manage it. Right. And. Not everybody needs to see everything because it becomes overwhelming. Oh, we just do nothing at all. We either run around trying to chase all these numbers, which just stresses us all out, or we just ignore it because, to your point there, it's just too overwhelming and you just end up going, don't do it. Part of our learning modules around insight and using insight as an improvement tool is about making sure we understand the audience of what that data to go to and give them clear direction on what they need to focus on within their role, within their gift to improve, rather than say, kind of saying, going, this is everything and not knowing, actually, this is what's relevant to you. This is what we want you to focus on and improve on. Go away and do that. So really cutting the noise out of the data that's the skill that people have, you know, need to start thinking about. You know, we've got some great MI and insight teams out there, but they're still following the trap of just producing everything rather than it being, let's tell that story. Let's tell that story with the data that we've got available that shows where we need to improve and what we can do, what levers we need to pull to make the difference that we need to make and make sure the people that have got that information in front of them, it's relevant to them and the role that they do. I think the, the other challenge of this, Chris, as well is, so people get promoted into these roles like team leader because because you're good, you're a good team leader. But 
no one ever sits down with them to really talk through what all these metrics are. I said, we love a TLA, don't we, as well, at the three-letter abbreviation. And, and no one likes it, but no one likes to say, what does that stand for? You know, so many people don't know what SLA stands for. And what the, the funniest one about that is when people go, well, I don't, I don't think I've signed up to that SLA. And you go, well, you must not have done because the last word means agreement. So no one's agreement. <laughs> so just think about it. But we use these, it's like KPIs, what kind of KPI? And that's part of the problem. No one wants to put the hand up and go, I've got no idea what that number means and what I should be doing with it. Because we've always done it. So average handle time is the classic one around that. Or we need to get the average or as close as you can to the average. It's like, well, not necessarily at all. Because actually the best performers might have a completely different time. So we're not replicating the best. And actually people's character needs to come through on some of these calls, unless you're working for, I don't know, yellow pages or something, it's giving out a number. There's going to be variability there in, in, in these, and we need to promote that. So therefore it's the understanding of what it is, which is say average handle time is a planning assumption. Things like sickness is a planning assumption. If, if as a leader, we've just always done what's always been done, we're going to just keep continuing just to focus on the wrong things. You say in that example you, you gave Marcy, I think a lot of people will, will relate to that, whether it's the A3 print cells or just reams of information. I mean, I, I was, I was guilty of this. I've, I've got one of my old, I called it the KPI report and it wasn't key performance indicators at all. And it was enormous, this, this report. Absolutely. I mean, it had all the information in the world in there. I liked it, but I'm an analyst. So of course <laughs> I liked it. And I liked it because I created it. I mean, it's a thing of beauty. But it didn't tell anyone anything other than it would give people probably a couple of indicators to work on for the day. And they, and, and again, what could happen there is a team leader could have worked on them and done a great job, but because that would have been, maybe we could have done a great job with four people, but their team's 15, the following day, some others didn't do as well. And actually it looks like they'd not done as well over that day. So now they're being criticized as then being told, well, what happened yesterday? Your performance is shocking. Instead of going, well, actually the four people we worked on have all improved and tomorrow I'm going to work with them. And actually, if I can get that sort of improvement as the week goes on, next week will be better. So again, it just becomes this sort of cycle of not focusing on what matters most, having a really poor cycle of activity and driving poor actions. When if we can reverse all of those, what a great culture that is where we are constantly recalibrating what's our focus. So not changing your strategy, because that's crystal clear. The purpose never changes, but the focus for today to the week put along and understanding realistically how long those changes will take to embed. Then being able to build the operating rhythm whereby there's the trust to say that didn't work yesterday and being honest about mm. it. Just making sure you don't do yeah. that every day. But then, but these things did work. I mean, how often do team leaders get together just to talk about what went well and what didn't? Chances are they don't. They probably have a meeting every now and again where they just go, I can't believe what's happened there. I could moan for an hour and then go back out again and carry on. Not as a criticism to them, but because they're working so hard, they need that break. And, and so again, by creating the right operating rhythm, which is ultimately driving understanding and improve, you then make great decisions because as I said, well, as I said before, the, your advisor is educated enough to be able to understand their performance. They can start setting their own direction. The team leader can now focus on coaching and their operation manager can now understand what's going on across the board to understand what improvements should be, they should be seen day on day. Therefore, what should be the, the aggregation of that over a week and therefore what's going to be the improved by the end of the month. Then they can work out what to really focus on. And we've only got, what, a few examples of that, Chris, haven't we? A couple of great case studies. On our website, I think you have Peggy and Axel Swift cover, for instance, a great case study video to look at. And that's where they're using the screen grab and, and desktop analytics to really drive understanding, but not as a carrot and a stick approach, but to say, this is what happened yesterday. 
So what do you think happened? This is what the data is saying. Now, where can you improve on that? I think no, that's, that's where we need to, we need to get to, because all of a sudden going back to the sort of starting point, it's no longer bang average anymore. This is about everyone being better. And if you streamline and focus on the right things, the post-mortem of performance becomes quicker. And that then speeds up the improvement cycle. Because if, we, if we've got a hundred things to focus on, it'll take us hours to talk about what went wrong yesterday. Well, all these hundred things went wrong yesterday. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll sit on a meeting for an hour and have not moved anywhere forward. If we have those two or three things that we focused on, that post-mortem happens quickly. What happened? What can we do differently? Right, okay, let's worry about that. Think forward and look at how we're going to improve. It's just, we, we spend so much time looking at the historical failure, if you want to call it that, because there's so many things that we're trying to say we need to do. And actually we don't, you know, it just, it's not like that anymore. As an industry, it's about let's have a look, let's get through that information quickly. Let's plan on what we're going to do to make sure we kind of move forward with what we're doing. So yeah, so it is that, that speeding up of, of, of the cycle allows us to, to get to a point of improvement quicker. And also just on that point, Chris, there is still a, a big problem with cover-up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. PYA. Yeah, it's that it, too often it's, yeah, there was a problem yesterday, right? What can we hide? And it's keeping back to say service level. Again, that's a classic example where people start going, I'll tell you, well, let's ignore the calls that were abandoned in less than 20 seconds. And you go, well, yes, you could do with that. But do you know what? We've just manipulated the data. You know, it, it's those sorts of things which people can do. And again, that's the beauty of Excel, you know, again, looking back when I was an analyst, I should have just said to people, well, what do you want me to make the number look like? I'll, I'll <laughs> put it like that. I can put it in there. It's not a problem. Just, you know, and sort of don't distort the data, just use what, what's there to drive improvement. Because if the same, if things happen as a one-off, as the name suggests, it's a one-off, but if it keeps happening, we need to do something about it. If we keep covering up though, we'll never learn from those, those no. outliers. And actually the, often the learning does come from the outliers again, not just average. Again, going back mm. to those reports, if everything's just green on there, you go, oh, great day, must not bother doing anything today. Actually, the chances are not everything was great. I think there's so much complexity in our world, isn't there? There's In the world of contact centres, there's so many variables and the reports, and you talked at the outset around the, in, you know, the vibe, what does that create? And I can remember it, it feeling close to being a sense of panic that you would look at the reports and like Don Quixote, you would charge off at a windmill and go, right, we've got to make this red area green for tomorrow. And you would do it. And then guess what? You'd go, right, there's now another area that we need to go yeah. and sort that out. And it wasn't it wasn't progressive in, in any, it was re very much reactive. And it was stressful. You, Chris, you mentioned earlier the kind of the stress levels of living in an environment under targets that are reported on in, in great, great detail, can be exhausting. I agree. Can I play devil's advocate for one second? I did this to ball, because I'm just sat here and I'm is there a lot of complexity? Question. Or have we just made it really complicated? That's thing. Is the complexity there, or is it us an industry that have complicated it? That's, I, that, that's where I challenge sometimes. I'm going, actually, the premise of delivering, the contact centre, call centre, customer operation, the premise of it is simple, right? Whether that's at a customer service level or whether it's at an, an advisor or people development side. 
the, the concept is simple. We deal with customers in whatever form they come through, whatever channel they come through, and we spend time and develop past them. We've created somewhere along there this layer of complexity because of Phil's point, we're trying to look at all these different metrics. We're trying to look at all this different information. And that stems, in my mind, from when the industry first started to, you know, develop into what we know it as now. The only data we had available was that old telephony ACD data. That's all we had, really. So we started to develop metrics based on that data. And they've become so wedded into technology, into our language, into whatever, that we've tried to build on that. So instead of kind of reframing what we do as an industry, we're still using outdated metrics to, think, to tell us that's what the performance is. So we then continue to layer and layer complexity on. And as technology has developed and we've got better at understanding things, we haven't stripped the old stuff out. We've just added stuff onto it. And it's like, Let's, this is the point where we now kind of go, we all talk about complexity, but I don't think the complexity exists. I think it's us as an industry that have complicated what is a very simple kind of premise. I'm a simple Yorkshire man, you know, I just... I, you, you deliberately set it up there, Chris, haven't you? I think, I think you're right that the, the industry is still relatively new. If you think of sort of early 70s was where the first few sort of contact centres came around because of things like the, the Rockwell telephony switch. 1984, direct line started, first one of its type doing that. It was more the early 90s as a general statement. So you then think of the turn of the century to 2000, was really the you know, absolute sort of contact center. So therefore, there's lots of people who are now heads of, directors, managers, who were teenagers, school leavers at that point in joining. And I, and I think, unfortunately, I think in their defense, people haven't been aware of what to do. They've just managed their sections, have not had any training, like we, we said we said before. And then because of places like the back office, as we were turning to non-telephony about, they've not had that data. They've relied upon instinct, experience, and opinion to look after an area. And then because they've possibly seen how data can get used badly, there's been fear from those areas to take on actually what data is because that's just big brother watching, which again is a really old fashioned attitude, but unfortunately still people use it in that way. So I think part of that complexity is to do with legacy. And I think we definitely see that when systems don't meet people working together because businesses have bought one another and merged and you've still got people with 40 years experience there, but they're not being given the opportunity to share that. They're just treated as being a, a, a blocker. So I think there's those layers of complexity in there. I think that when, a, coming back to the original question, it, it, is that complexity there? Is it simple? And I think that if your strategy is simple, you can make things easier. And I think in turn, you can make some of these, the, the data to support the understanding of what's going on, make that easier. I think though there are many, many moving parts in all of this because we've got a, there's huge pressure commercially now on businesses. So again, that's why their targets are changing. That's why when the boards change, there's new, new, new targets. I think the customers are changing. Their demands are more erratic now than have possibly ever been before. I think our awareness of vulnerable customers as well as sort of self-serving customers and systems dropping that creates a level of complexity. And I think now there's also at last a greater understanding that these are people. So again, it used to be just numbers. These are people now who want a career and therefore need that sort of social connection, knowledge management, need to be developed and need to understand their performance and contribution, not just strictly performance, how they contribute towards that. There's lots of moving parts. So when you look at it as a system, as opposed to a set of do these tasks and you will achieve X, 
you realize that actually there's lots of moving parts in that. I think what would be worthwhile for organizations is to sit down and think those things through. Think through what is the system we're here? How do we act and behave in each of those key areas? And then what is each role and how do you connect into that to make the business better? Which again, comes back to simple. The true target of your business needs to be simple. If you can't articulate that, that's where the confusion will, will, will come out. So I've answered the question with both agreement and disagreement. I hope I've done it in a, ni- in a nice way. Is there a great... Op- <laughs> Is there a great opportunity though now for data whisperers? I want to coin a phrase that there I've worked with some people who, um, so two different examples, one where the senior leaders were presented with just slide after slide, after slide, after slide of data. And to your point earlier, there's no story around it. I know certainly personally, I needed a story to keep me engaged if it was just presentations of data and graphs and I got bored the flip side to that though is I can remember leading operations and it was at a time when we we suddenly had a data team and there was a guy in the data team who would come to us and say you know this number here let's say it's quality this number here I can tell you if you direct your coaching into this part of the call with these three people and they correct and they and they start to improve that's going to have that's going to be the biggest bang for your buck and that that data interpretation that drove targeted behavior in my team i loved because it meant that it was very we were always very busy that's a given everyone's always very busy but where where are you being busy and to what end using data and somebody saying this is this is going to have the biggest impact here if you focus on these three targeted areas with these four people, it's going to have a big impact. And then being able to follow that through and go, did it work? Didn't it work? That kind of thing I loved. And, and, and that's right. I think mentioned it briefly earlier. So we, we look at it in two different ways, especially in our learning. We'll look at MI as a data capturing topic. You know, we'll be providing information to the business. And then we'll look at insight, which is about telling that story, providing the insight. And given the direction of where you need to improve, that's the bit. You know, gone are the days, I think, if, and if people are doing it right, gone are the days. I remember working with an organization in my last time of, of, of being at the forum. And I, I can't remember the name of the organization for you, but actually it might be, might be best that I forgot the name of the organization. But they had a kind of MI team, data team, and they were proudly called the mole people, right? Proudly called because they used to sit there just kind of doing this, doing this, doing this, right? And churning out it. And they were proud of that. They were proud of it. And like, you know, this was their little kind of rand up the hard, right? But they weren't get, the, 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 the reliance of doing something with that information was then put back into the operation. So all that then created good, you know, good, in, good levels of data and information was being pushed. It was very static data, spreadsheets, maybe a, you know, a, a dashboard on the front that's, you know, just, had the red, the greens, and whatever, but no one knew what to do with it. Where now, the, the where the where the opportunity is for every organisation is to take all that data and make it as accessible to everybody, a point that's relevant to them, and to give them the direction of where they need to improve. Now that could be any level in terms of it could be at an individual level, like to your point, Mike. I go if this person focused on these things. 
because we can see what the customers are saying about them through their feedback stuff. We can see what their quality assurance scores are doing. We can see what their performance data look like. And actually, I've got this really rounded view of that individual's performance. I can then start to look at that and go, this is where I need to invest time in that person. And if we get it right, and we can start to aggregate some of that up, we can start to go, where's my time best spent? Is it best spent focusing on an individual to get better at their Or actually, is there a more collective issue at, at large here? Is there a training need? It's broader than just that one individual. Is it a process re-engineering that needs to take place? Because everyone's struggling with it, both our people and our customers. That's what's driving demand. When that demand comes through, our people can't deal with it. So what are we doing to do to fix that at both ends of the scale? It's creating that insight that allows us to really focus on what the improvement needs to be. That's where the opportunity is. It's not about creating more. It's about dripping back what we've got, focusing more on the things that are going to actually add the value. You know, that's it. I can't stress that point any anymore. You know, it's not about everything. It's about the right things. And, and that just that in simple terms is is making sure whoever is sending out information knows is this purpose for purely updating people? Is it there to persuade and drive action? Or actually is there some data here? I need to go away and explore this because I don't actually know what I'm sending out. Because that's the other danger, isn't it? Someone's sending out this stuff. And it, it's actually going, I, I can't no one knows what, what to do with it at all. And it's just thinking out there will be some information that is just purely this is what's going on right now. But actually, you don't need to do anything. Just keep doing your job. Don't act or respond off the back of it. If you need to, we'll let you know. Then there's the information about driving action, driving decisions. And that's where you do strip out anything else. We talk about the pyramid principles. What is the headline? Okay, what is the headline that everyone can read? And then if there is, you do want more support information about that, you can have a look as you, as, you, as, you, as you go down, but not every reader does. And then likewise, recognize when there is when there is difference on a day that needs exploring. Well, guess what? Analysis takes time. It can't just be someone's quick interpretation. That isn't analysis. So someone then needs to go away and do that piece of exploring and then come back to probably a control group to talk through their findings. Because again, the findings will be purely from the data and their understanding. It now needs other people's perspectives to be able to add the context. Again, data needs context. And again, data needs direction. Without those things, don't 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 use it. Don't send it out. And it all starts with as well. I want to come back to something you said right at the start was around targets. So that surely then everything supports whether you've got your targets right and you've got yeah. people's understanding of them aligned as well. Because then the data either perpetuates or helps or gauges people because of its interpretation versus the the targets. How, what, what do you advise the organizations that come to the forum around targeting? So again, there's a number of levels on, on this in, in its simplest form, we have the strategy pyramid. So this concept of, of thinking about what's at the top of your pyramid in terms of vision, values, brands, and your strategic objective. So what, if you were to speak to the board, what would they say is, is our purpose? And that, that ultimately is your aim. And again, too many organizations don't know what that is, which is believable, but, but you can understand how that happens. So you start at the very, very top, but then you work out what are the supporting key performance indicators and think of that through commercially, what do you want to achieve? So it's typically some sort of profitability or market share or something like that. You've then got your customer, which again, can be an M MPS, MPS 
scoring more than like a few complaints, etc. You then need a, a, a colleague one, and then you need to do this legally. So there's typically a compliance one in there as well. So there's sort of four, four C's. And then down from there is in your next level of, well, how are we going to achieve those recognized key performance indicators? Only needs to be a few of them, even across all of those. And that'll be a suite of performance indicators and, and sort of operational indicators. So you'll have things like adherence, conformance, sickness, general attendance, all the classic shrinkage values. And in that, you want to understand the value of those. And then you're wanting the, the other sort of metrics, which are around things like how long does it take me to do things? So that might be an average handle time or an average task time, the quality of how you're doing those things as well. And then it is recognizing the link between them because the classic one is of great quality, but really long handle time. Well, we'll change the yeah. average handle. Quality's dropped now. It's now a problem. So it's about understanding those things. How can we balance those to give, to give the best possible, which comes back to the values, value or shrinkages. So in, in its simplest terms, start off with that to understand how the system works. The next thing to really explore is target typology, because as I say there are many different types of targets. There are ones which are just as close as you can. So as close as you can to the target, think of archery. The aim is to get as close as you can right to the center. Actually, just out, just you know, around it still scores. If you miss the board, you don't get anything. You then got as far as you can. Now, in a lot of cases, like sales conversions, just as far as you can. And without realizing, we sometimes limit the top performers by going, this is your target. You know, and they're going, actually, I don't want to go too high because that target is <laughs> previous month's target. And so I just want to just do enough on that. But unless you've got a limited amount of things you're selling, it's as, it's as high as you can. So set that as as high as you can target. You've then got as close as I've done as close as you can. You've then got a benchmark. So it might just be maybe an industry benchmark or, or a, an internal benchmark. This is where, where, where we need to get to. You've then got zero tolerance. So, and again, an example of that is, for instance, racism and bullying is a zero tolerance. It's not as close as you can to zero, is it? it, it, it no, we yeah. don't want, and we will not tolerate that at all. So it's not as 0% target, it is a zero tolerance target. And again, in some respects, conformance to your hours. I mean, guess what? If we're going to pay you to work some hours, we want you to work then. Who'd have thought that? So there's mm. a zero tolerance on if you don't work your hours. That should be there, whereas adherence is as, is as close as you can to 100% typically with a tolerance because you recognize random activity will mean you will not be able to get exactly against the, the, the shift that we do. But those sorts of understanding, there is, a, there is a couple of other sort of target types in there as well. But you can already see how it's really easy if you set the wrong target, that can drive the wrong behavior. Because again, people, which is brilliant that we have people, they have their own interpretations of these things, don't they? Because they think what they're, they're trying to play a game. So again, this is why it's really important to keep that dialogue open to people to say, this is the direction we're going, and this is how we're going to help you. And this is how you can help us to achieve those things. And going back to those sorts of basics, not carrot and stick, I think is, is the best thing. Again, to Dan Pink's, that's all about autonomy, isn't it? Autonomy and mastery. You know, if you've got that, if everyone can master their role and become better and fulfilled and realize the difference they are making to the, to the organization you know, what, what, what a better place you, you will be in. For and, and, and that's where that kind of relationship across the operation needs to be. I think we talked about it a little bit, you know, last, last time was around making sure that operational relationship, with, you know, whether actually in that insight team, your team leaders and your operational leaders, your planning team, that's where it needs to be a cohesive unit. Because when you start to look at performance in the right way, the only way really that we need to keep 
that focus on it is to have that nudged feedback throughout throughout a continual process of going, this is where you're going. You know, the old, you know, I'm not degraded this in any way, shape or form, but the old way of kind of just putting it, I'm going to put half an hour a week in with everybody, or I'm going to put an hour a month in with everybody. Those things can, you know, let's continue that. But if you've got good relationships with your operational team, if they're focused on the right thing, you know, we're not chasing that service level, that's arbitrary. So we can be a bit more flexible with the people that we've got to say, actually, I need to spend some time with Martin today, right? But his coaching session's not till next week. Oh, well, I'll wait till next week to speak to him. But then for like the next seven days, Martin's still having a bad performance and bad behavior. All you're doing is sending him his time, you know, you're sending his results, but you're not doing anything about it. Well, if you've got that cohesive kind of collaborative approach to how your operation is, is working, you can have those sidebar conversations. You can have that nudging feedback, that nudging coaching, that discussion continually. And that's why we need to limit the noise. Because if we limit the noise and we stop team leaders and operational leaders running around like headless chickens to chase targets that don't mean nothing, then guess what? We can focus on our people and we can develop our people and can spend our time with our people. Typically, a team leader will have this list of things they need to do in a day and they'll go, I've got this coach and I've got this, I've got this, I've got that. Oh, we've not in targets yesterday. We need that stuff. I'm going to just beat people up all day and firefight. Oh, and then guess what? I've not done my coaching session. I've not done that. I've not listened to any calls today. I've not done whatever, whatever, whatever. So all that kind of development behavior gets pushed aside. And we just need to have that, you know, that ability to be really flexible in how we use that information. And if we've only got one or two things that we need to be focused on at an individual level, it's so much easier for us to do that on a continual improvement, coaching, development basis with our teams. And I think all, all of this is this so you're sharing so much great insight. There's that word. I think one of the things as well is questioning the targets, questioning the data. And bringing it all together, like you said, around that kind of shared purpose, is it, is it supporting the purpose of what our organization does will, will surely drive the, the right behavior. I, I spent a long part of my career in sales. And I think for anyone listening that is, is in a sales environment, targets can give you nightmares. And to your point, Chris, about what what am I going to do right now with my time? If I'm a team leader or if I'm a manager, it's going to be something that means that I don't have grief tomorrow. And that might be the worst thing to do for my team because I'm not developing them. And then guess what? They leave and then I go, oh, how am I going to, I've got to replace somebody. But that, but it's because you're trying to get into a position where you're not getting grief over your, over your targets. And that can be, you know, it can drive the wrong behavior. Now, the, I, I'm taking this as a kind of confessional. I managed, I was team leader of a team. And unfortunately, we sat right near one of the director's office. And we had a wall board and it had our both call stats and sales performance on there ragged. So at, at a glance, when he left his office and he was a very combustible person, that would quite happily shout at you when he left his office. That's the first thing he looked at was the, the wallboard. And I don't mind admitting to give myself some breathing space at times I'd screenshotted when it was predominantly green. And if I could see him getting up and I knew he was in a bad mood, 
I replaced the image on the wallboard just with that screen with a screenshot and you could see him walking past. Yeah, good. Give me a thumbs up. And I'd be like, yeah, you're doing well. <laughs> Don't stand but, and look at it too long. It's not going to yeah. change. Yeah. But that's a perfect example, right? And, and you know, we're on, we're on this podcast, get out a rap, right? And that was, I know it's a tongue in cheek thing, but that, you know, we go, what are team leaders focused on, right? So if we're going, you know, so we're, we're out of service, we need to do something. Yeah. Team leader spends the next 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour monitoring a queue, monitoring the, 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 the kind of whatever, the, the, the call statistic, or walking around the context that the flog going, get out of rap. What are you doing in rap? Get out of rap. Do that, do that. And they've started, and now we're doing something that's adding no value, cause a load of stress, probably disengaged yeah. the team. Everyone's going, oh, here comes Chris again telling us to get out of rap. <laughs> <laughs> all that behavior is so true because we're not focused on the right stuff it's embarrassing you always say it out loud chris and, and again we're laughing because we've all been there mm -hmm. and it, but, you know it's again the environment i was at my, my real-time team was sat there and it looked like they weren't doing anything they were then in trouble well what what are you doing like, you're doing the very thing to keep their eye on, on the cues. You've asked them to keep your eye on them, but now they keep them eye on it's quiet. They want them to do something else. They then do something else and someone goes, is a call queuing. And, and again, all, all these two calls queuing and go, well, that's brilliant. We've only got two calls queuing. That yeah. means the day has been perfectly planned because we've only got an 80-20 that we haven't got the budget to achieve anyway, which means the random rival pattern of court means that's perfect queuing. But now we've got to do something. As you say, people then start going, oh, oh well, ring them back. We've now got an outbound call we've got to make later on. And it's just, he, he say, he, he, that, that becomes the unnecessary confusion and complication, which I think we were referring to earlier. That, cause that, that complexity shouldn't be there. That's just reactive behavior. People almost thinking, I need to say something because I'm in charge. Again, Marcy, your, your example, that director probably felt he needed to contribute to, in, in his defense. And do you know what? His boss previously used to always point to the wall board. So I'm going to point to the wall board sort of thing. And show that I know what I'm going on. When actually, if you, if they'd been turned off, he probably wouldn't have noticed for a fortnight, would he? You know what I mean, he just goes a fault. No. And, it, and it's those things that we've bred this behaviour, and it becomes a habit, doesn't it? The habit is, is as you said earlier, Chris, what's wrong today? Let's find something that's wrong, and let's get people to sort that out, as opposed to going, what are we doing really well today? You know, what what are we seeing there? Because actually, if, in those instances, now all these calls queue, but if customer satisfaction is great today, you know, and, and actually sales conversions are great today. And we're all hitting all those other objectives. It just doesn't matter. There's a few calls in the queue. That is for tomorrow's meeting or the month of meeting after to say, are we happy with that? That actually we're achieving these commercial aims and we're doing it really well for the customer and for our colleagues. But do you know what? The call time has gone up a little. And we was on a conversation this week with one of our members around the service level because they've been put under pressure because I think it's the financial ombudsman that said, Calls should be answered in less than 10 seconds. It's just, just utter nonsense. I mean, who on earth has, has come up with that? Again, I'll put that to one side for now. But 999s are like 95 in 10 seconds or 19 10. So why does a, someone ring enough about an insurance claim to be answered in 10 seconds? Because on a chance they're probably complaining about how much money they're paying to this. And then if you just say to them, oh, we have to charge more because we've got to answer the bloody thing in less than 10 seconds. Because there's a cost associated to that based on this arbitrary 90 percent of them which is, and again there's been so many things distorted and removed from that it's just pathetic but unfortunately those things are still are still out there in industry and so we're we're doing our best to to ensure that people are thinking forward thinking differently you know and and not 
continuing those bad industry habits, you know, but actually thinking, actually, this is a really professional industry with some great brains in there who are thinking differently, you know, but yeah, it starts with people almost putting the foot down, just going, why, why are we doing that? Can I check where yeah. that target comes from? You know, if we didn't achieve that, if we did achieve that today, what difference is that going to make to the board meeting tomorrow? If the board don't care about average handle time, then do you know what? Mm. I'm going to use it in a diagnostic measure to understand my outliers in my teams. So I can with my, my people, the right people to improve. And, and that's, I, that's a really key point. Go back to what I said, all this performance, whether it's performance data inside, it's about focusing on what matters most. And that is always a critical point. You know, back to Phil's point there, you know, if we're measuring something and we're chastising people over the delivery of something, if that doesn't align to our strategic delivery as a business, we're just wasting our time. And if we're wasting our time on those things, the things that are adding value are not getting the focus that they deserve. And that then continues that perpetual kind of circle of poor performance, blame, culture, disengagement, whatever it might be. So get that right. I think it's reassuring though. I'm, I'm reassured by, by your presence and the fact that your members must get reassurance that they can come to you as a learning organization and share some of their challenges, but also receive that kind of guidance around here's what you can be doing. Here's other members that we've got that you could go and see who have had similar journeys to you and are doing it right. And that kind of sharing of best practice must take it, must also come with that kind of not saying that you do counseling sessions with people, but it must be nice for, for those members to come to you and say, am I, am I losing my mind? Is this normal? Yeah. And, and do you know, it is, that validation is really, really important. I think there's a danger though. Sometimes you can almost stay there because again, we've all got these challenges. There's still loads, you know, so it's very easy. The important thing is, and this is what we really do our best with, is that thinking forward. What are those frameworks you can use so that we can start to reference that, as I say, strategy pyramid. Think about all the targets in your business right now or everything that's called a KPI and map it on those, on the, on the, uh, the strategy pyramid. It's free on the website. Just type in strategy pyramid, previously known as the KPI pyramid, and there's loads of information on there. Then you've got your target typology. Let's really understand those things. And again, that's taking smartly. People have heard smart measures in terms of being specific, measurable, achievable. I prefer A, being attainable because that sometimes makes you do, do other things, realistic and time bound. For those basic principles, that combined with your target typology will make it crystal clear of the behaviors you are wanting to promote, the things not to do and the things to do, which is ultimately going to drive the best, the best performance. And one word I mentioned much earlier as well was around contribution. Let's not underestimate that some people aren't the best, but their contribution to the team dynamic cannot be underestimated. And that's really important. And this is when it really comes into that sort of thinking of the, the, the cultural system of your organization, you know, and this is where average people who might be average when it comes to sales performance, but they are really good at their knowledge sharing. They're always there and they're there for their colleagues. They're always helpful. So let's not underestimate them. Let's not beat them up because of one measure when they're actually everything else is superb. Because actually not everyone can be, can be the best because the moment you create any form of league table, you're going to have someone who's not as good anymore with it within that. And again, it was a, what was that um, uh, metaphor or, or analogy Ian came up with the other in the week, Chris? Was it the, the crab bucket 
and the, 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 the crab bucket analogy, yeah. So you put crabs in a bucket, they'll all try and climb on top of each other to get to the top. As soon as someone's going to, as the crab's going to get out of the bucket, another crab will drag it back down, right? Because they don't want, because they know as soon as one crab gets out, actually the, 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 the balance of anybody else getting out then kind of reduces. So they don't ever let each other escape. They just don't let it happen. Because they don't want someone being at the top. Well, uh, uh, we've got a perfect way to bring <laughs> to bring this episode to a conclusion. I think we are going to do some more, hopefully, and we can hear about your. For those that don't know, Chris and Phil are going to start embark on a wrestling career, but that's for that's for another that's for another time. Um, guy, Phil, Chris from the forum, thanks very much. This has been again another really really helpful episode. And as you said, for people that want to know more and start that journey to either get in touch with you or access some of your resources, the website's the best place to do that. Yeah, there's loads of free stuff on the website. You don't need to be a member of the forum to start just learning. And then you want more help, more information, you know, speak to Phil and I or, or any of the team. This is what we do. This is, you know. We love, we, we love talking about it, as you can probably sense. What a great episode. Phil and Chris of the forum there. If you're not already a member of the forum, why not head to the website, check out the free resources, and get your organisation into the forum where you'll learn a hell of a lot more. Thanks very much for listening and take care of yourself.